Hello, everyone. We thank you for joining us for today's Safety and Health webcast. Just letting you know you are in the right place. As the room begins to open, just going to give it a little bit more time before starting the presentation, but we'll be looking to do so in about one minute. Again, want to welcome everyone to today's Safety and Health webcast. You are in the right place. Uh, just going to give just a few more seconds and then get the presentation underway here shortly. Hello everyone and welcome to today's Safety and Health webcast, Preparing for Summer and Beyond with Mass Notification, sponsored by Single Wire Software. My name is Kevin Drooley. I'm an Associate Editor with Safety and Health Magazine, and I'll be moderating today's session. Thanks for joining us. We hope you all are safe and well amid the COVID-19 pandemic. In a few minutes, we'll start the presentation, but first I want to go over some preliminary items. The views of today's speakers and organizations are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health Magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication doesn't mean the council or magazine endorses those items. At the end of today's webcast, we will conduct a question and answer session. To ask a question, simply click the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen, type your question, and click the Send button. Feel free to ask your question at any time during the presentation. You don't have to wait for the question and answer session to begin. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible, but because of the large number of participants today, we might not get to every question. Any unanswered questions will be forwarded along to today's speakers. At the end of the webcast, you'll be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey that will appear on a separate screen. We will let you know more about that after the presentation. This webcast is archived, so you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast and all of our past webcasts, go to safetyandhealthmagazine.com events. You may also receive a link in a post-event email. With that, let's go ahead and get started. Our speakers today are Pat Sheckle and Mark Tilkins. Pat is Executive Vice President of Product Management at SingleWire Software and a leading developer of mass notification solutions. He brings more than 15 years of experience in helping organizations across a wide spectrum of industries with implementing tools that enhance safety and communication and is keenly aware of the challenges organizations face when trying to keep people safe and informed. Pat and his team are committed to ensuring every organization can reach their people with important safety updates everywhere, every time. Mark is a network infrastructure manager for Miller Electric Manufacturing, a leading maker of welding equipment and a subsidiary of Illinois Toolworks. Mark has spent 35 years in the information technology department at Miller Electric, headquartered in Appleton, Wisconsin, and is very familiar with the mass notification use cases deployed at the organization, including how those interface with IT and disaster recovery. Again, we thank you all for being here today. Pat, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away. Okay, thank you. So yeah, Pat Shuggle here with Single Wire Software. I'm gonna give you a, a really brief 
overview of Single Wire and our product Informacast um, as your sponsor. Um, before we get into the Q&A uh, with, um, with Mark from Miller Electric, I think you're going to find today's session really interesting because we are, of course, going to talk about mass notification as the title implies, but we're really going to talk about it in the context of industrial IoT um, and how Mark worked with his health and safety engineering team to create a safer workplace. So uh, it's going to be a really interesting discussion. A little bit about SingleWare, we're based in Madison, Wisconsin uh, in the US. Uh, we have about 120 people on staff. We have about 7,000 customers in 85 countries. Our flagship application, our software as a service is called Informacast, specifically Informacast Fusion, which is a hybrid cloud architecture that really takes mass notification to a different level in the sense that it sends not only to mass notification clients, mobile devices, but also to on-premises devices. So it's intrusive audio and text and images going to a wide variety of on-premises and mobile devices, which means more effective notifications. They get there faster, they reach more people, and they're more intrusive, so people are more likely to take the desired action. That intrusiveness, of course, comes through streaming audio. We tie into a lot of collaboration systems as well, so you can manage the ongoing incident from inside the collaboration platform of your choice. So that's a brief overview of SingleWire and of our product Informacast. You can see more at our website, but now we'd love to uh, to continue the conversation with Mark at Miller Electric. Um, Mark, please tell us a, a little bit about uh, about your organization and about your role there, where you're located, how many sites, employees, that sort of thing. Sure. Um, we are located in Appleton, Wisconsin, a little south of uh, Green Bay, and we're headquartered here in Appleton. Uh, we have about 2,000 employees. Um, within Appleton, we have multiple campuses and locations, um, and then we have locations spread across the United States, uh, different uh, sister companies, as well as uh, distribution uh, centers and training centers that are throughout the United States. Okay, and and what is your role there? Um, network manager, infrastructure manager, um, kind of did it all over the years, seen a lot of things. <laughs> and what are the maybe two or three most important things you've been dealing with this month? So, uh, this month, they recently turned up an ERP system, so that's been a, a huge uh, uh, takeaway from my normal duties, but um, we continue to uh, help with the uh, Informacast and the safety projects that, that are going on within our facilities, and recently we've had some items with the uh, tornado drills from last month and that kind of thing, so... Okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about how Informacast came to, to be at, uh, at Miller Electric. We're going to get into some of the use cases and stuff um, in, in a moment, but I think it's just helpful to understand the beginning. Like, did this come to you as a, from IT? Did it come from the safety group? Uh, how did it arrive there? Sure. So about seven years ago, we did an undertaking where we upgraded our phone system. We went away from a traditional uh, PBX system and went to a uh, IP phone system. And with that, 
uh, we decided on a Cisco implementation of voice over IP and we needed a, a, a component for call awareness. And that was simply to um, alert people of when 911 was dialed from any of our facilities and, and it would alert a team of people. And so that was the very first integration of uh, single wire. And it was just for a call aware purposes. And that really became a, a building block or a foundation. And I knew about the enhanced features at the point, at that point, but um, at, at that point in time, people weren't really interested. And so we got the phone system implemented and then as time evolved and, and people, uh, safety people and facility manager people kept coming up with ideas and, and how can we do this and how can we do that and mass alerting and everything. And I kept reminding them that we already had the foundation in place and we had it all kind of kind of figured out ahead of time. So once they saw some demos and then we kind of jumped into Informacast uh, full blown with the cloud architecture a couple of years ago with Fusion and people have been really happy ever since. And so it's interesting you started with a particular use case in this case alerting when 911 had been dialed from anywhere on premises and, and letting people know about that. And it kind of grew from there as you identified additional use cases and you, you've already had the platform to deal with it. Um, I think that's that's common for a, a lot of tools, whether they're mass notification tools or other tools. And we start with a particular use case in mind, you're solving for a particular problem that's front of mind and it expands from there. Um, when you look at, um, I'm gonna move forward on the slide here and just show people what your um, this is the administrative web console of, of your system. Um, and those tiles there, those colored tiles are scenarios for a feature of Informicast called Command Center. So these are set up on basically a per use case basis. So if you could just give a kind of an, we're gonna drill into some of these here as we go forward, but just give people an idea of what we're looking at. Sure. So, so these are predefined uh, scenarios that we came up with. Um, Informacast is very flexible and can do many things. So determining an, an initial scope is kind of what we worked with here. And it was from our management team, it was obviously uh, tornado and uh, fire were a couple of the big ones. At that point in time, we never had uh, uh, active shooter or a run hide fight type of scenario. So that one, then were the three big ones that kind of we worked on at first. And then we have some other unique things here that I think Pat will get into. But uh, because we're a manufacturing facility, we have some ammonia chemicals. So we developed a scenario for that, as well as uh, uh, the ability to do a custom type of message. So this is a command center. It's a, a quick, you know, our safety people or whoever's gonna initiate these things, they automatically, they don't have to think a lot about it. They just push the button. Templates are configured underneath and they can quickly be sending messages. Uh, they can do this from a web interface. They can do it from a mobile app on their phone. And it's been, it's been really easy to navigate. 
And this is interesting. I think it kind of brings to life, makes it very tangible for people that, you know, you've got some very specific scenarios set up for the main use cases that you care about. When, when one of the questions that, that we're often asked when people look at something like this is just from a policy perspective, you, you mentioned you can, of course, we're looking at a, a screenshot of the web console. You can, you can also launch from the app. How many people really have those privileges? Because obviously you're not going to give this out to everybody. Yep. So in our organization right now, it's probably probably about 10 people that have this application and, and have the power to send out the notifications. Um, we're still in the process of rolling it out to a few more um, production type of people. Um, it, it's important to note that some of these are automated. So, you know, weather alerts and fire alerts, we have automation in place for them, or even in the ammonia circumstance, there's a, there's a manual method to, to go in and do this through contact closures and push buttons, in addition to coming into the command center and, and activating it as well. So, so it's very easy to set up some of these scenarios to happen with very little with, you know, without even requiring safety or facilities people to have to actually initiate it. So. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a key point, right? We're, we're starting with the scenarios. These would be, of course, manually launched, but by definition, industrial internet of things is usually gonna mean that there's gonna be some sort of automated trigger when a particular condition happens on the plant floor. So let's move along and let's talk about one of those that, that you have here. This is your, your air torque tool, low, low air alert, which was something that I first learned about talking to you last fall. I, I just, I found this uh, fascinating, just uh, how this, how this, just because it was a unique use case that I've talked to a lot of customers over the years and not heard this particular use case. Um, so why don't you go ahead and describe what we're looking at here? Sure, this, this came about um, myself and it was a need from the manufacturing plant floor and, and myself, I learned about this need or issue they were having. And then the integrator that we work with closely, the reseller for InformaCast, um, we kind of all just put our heads together real quickly one day. And it was like, we could, we could very easily do this sort of thing. So what, what it takes place is through the evolution of this, we end up incorporating you know, the PA system um, different types of alerting and kicking things off for alerts. So the scenario that came here was when the overall air pressure in the building drops below, I don't know, I think it might be 90 PSI. So if they drop below 90 PSI, then they have different quality issues that can happen. And the people on the, on the manufacturing line don't actually realize that this is even happening. And therefore, when the parts get down to the end of the line and they're doing final inspections, that's when they realize that, oh, we got an issue somewhere. And typically in the past, they were relying on a maintenance guy or somebody to be paying attention to an air pressure gauge. And he's not always sitting there looking at an air pressure gauge. So we quickly, we, we were able to put in a, a uh, pressure switch that would trigger a contact closure 
And because we already have the PA system and these some of these uh, message boards in place, we can sing a we can send a ding ding type of attention message over the PA system, and then the employees know to look up at at the board, and we scroll a message across the board that says low air pressure. So it, it was a an easy solution, and and people people loved it. Yeah, I, I found this really interesting. I, I think just because it illustrates how you can get additional value out of a mass notification system. Often we talk about the, the use cases like uh, active and shooter, active shooters, severe weather, um, hazardous materials, things like that. Um, and you don't often think about a use case like this, which is, is really all about you know, producing better quality product. And it's a very targeted alert. Not everyone's gonna receive this. You're not gonna send it to all 2000 employees. But for this particular group of people, it has a, a ton of business value. Um, and so I, I think that's why I've, I found it so interesting. So thanks for describing that. Um, let's, let's move on to another one and, and tell us what we're, we're looking at here. Is this just another look at that same station or is it, is it a little bit different? Yep, this is the typical, typical environment. It's kind of the same station as the previous picture, but the... Uh, they work on the line, putting things together. And, and to, to note about that too, we were, the way we have our manufacturing facilities, there's individual maintenance people in each building. So I see a lot of these uh, solutions, you know, they'll, they'll kind of develop their own solution and then they, they kind of end up being, um, you know, individualized in each building and it's like well this maintenance guy came up with this idea that one came up with that idea and now we have some commonality between buildings which we have a lot of employees that move around from facility to facility depending on uh, where they need help so we're able to uh, you know create a, a, a consistent experience across all the buildings that makes sense. So we're looking the colored hoses there. Are those are those connected up to that air pressure system? Yes. Yep. Okay. And and then in the foreground there, we're looking at uh, components that would go into welding equipment. Yep. Right. I, I gotta believe those are because of all the circuitry involved, they're fairly pricey. And so if you're not if you're not creating those to spec because the, the PSI level is dropped below 90, say, then then that can, that can be a, a real costly endeavor, especially if it's not caught right away and you produced a bunch of defective product before it's caught in test. Yeah. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, let's move to the next one here and, and tell us what we're looking at here with this test booth. All right, so this is another manufacturing line. Uh, we make some engine drive um, portable generator welders and each and every one of them go through a test booth to do a final inspection and uh, calibration of the equipment and before it gets sent out. And so there's different things involved in there. There's gas and, and different chemicals and oil and antifreeze and all that kind of thing. And then when they're actually running, running the test on the equipment, the operator, the tester, he's inside that booth. It's a soundproof enclosure and he's wearing headset, headphones, ear protection. And, you know, they, they would have a, a emergency go off or a PA announcement go off over the, over the 
entire plant. And prior to this, it was always like, well, whoever's working outside that test booth, it's their responsibility to go in there and tap the guy on the shoulder and tell him to get out of there. There's something going on. We got to leave the building. Well, that's relying on whoever else to, to take care of that guy. So we, we came up with a method where we could do a, a speaker and a blinking strobe light right there inside the test booth. And that way, um, whenever, whenever an alert emergency alert would get triggered, um, the inside, the operator inside that test booth would then be alerted. Right. And they're wearing hearing protection. You need to have the visual notification, which on the lower right there is a, that's an, uh, an led strobe that's going to light up and they'll know what's happening. They can, they know to stop the equipment, listen to the audio, that sort of thing. That's the idea. Yep. Unless you have visual notification with the LED uh, signboard in the in the other um, in the other example, so there's there's multiple ways of doing visual notification: a strobe to grab your attention, or even you know an LED signboard to actually give you the uh, to give you the text of the alert. So I think that's a that's a key use case there where you can't rely on um, you can't rely on a particular uh, you can't rely on one person to get another person out. So you have to make sure that, that everyone can see and hear. And I think that's a pretty basic tenant in life safety where, um, where you're gonna have to have uh, audio coverage above the ambient sound level wherever you're putting it um, in the environment. So I think that's a nice use case as well. All right, we're gonna move on to the next one. Um, and I think this one was, uh, this one was interesting, um, not because Ice House is a, is a brand of beer, um, as some of us may be aware, but in this case, Ice House means something entirely different. Um, tell us what we're looking at here. Yeah, so we call it the Ice House because it, it makes ice. <laughs> yeah, if we don't have enough already in Wisconsin, but we, uh, as I understand it years ago, there was a grant, I wasn't really involved in it, but there was a grant from the state of Wisconsin and some uh, heating, air conditioning stuff. But anyways, we were able to uh, put up this facility and it uses ammonia and the, this is in, inside the facility. And so it uses ammonia and the ammonia is all housed within that building called the ice house. Uh, very limited people have access to the building. They got to be trained and certified, all that kind of thing. But nonetheless, there's big silos of ammonia. And what they do is they make, a, for all intents and purposes, it's a, a glorified uh, slushy type of solution. It's an ice type of solution. And they're able to pump that ice solution throughout the entire facility. And our workers are spoiled. They have... Uh, uh, heating or they have air conditioning throughout the plant as well as uh, office areas. So uh, we, we have manufacturing processes with the circuit boards and things like that too, that it's uh, environmentally sensitive. So they, that's one of the reasons they do it, but they, they keep the, uh, the plant at a comfortable working conditions. So anyways, we have this, this ice house and that's where we have large amounts of ammonia and so we developed some uh, command center scenarios that would um, be able to kick off and, and alert people. So we, we've done it in a, in a fashion that uh, 
people are told to stay in the building rather than go outside and breathe ammonia if there's a leak. And then we've also got it because we've got multiple facilities in Appleton. We have people constantly moving between buildings. And so we got it set up in a way that it will alert people to um, there's a there's an ammonia event going on either to stay in the building if you're at this building already at the campus or if you're driving to this campus for a meeting you basically know at this point that you should stay away from the building so so in like some of the other use case scenarios that we talked about we're, we're really looking at very targeted alerts you know the, the worker inside the test booth for example this is a, an example of a, an alert that's going to go much more broadly. Um, I imagine from the way you described it, that you're hitting mobile devices as well. Are you sending SMS text messages or push notifications to the app? Really, how are you reaching people if they're not around the building at this point? Yep. It'll be uh, text, email. Um, we do pop-ups on the phones. It will do overhead pages. Um, so we're hitting them in all kinds of avenues. Uh, this particular one with the ice house, um, we do have uh, neighbors that live by in a nearby neighborhood. Um, I believe they're even they're even on the uh, they're optional to add into the text messaging, so they're aware of something going on as well. Yeah, so you're broadcasting across. A lot of a lot of channels with the principle that you never know exactly where you're going to be or what what you're going to be doing um, when this incident happens, and so you want to reach people on whatever means necessary. So mobile, as well as all the on-prem methods that you uh, just described, such as overhead paging, um, broadcasting through the phones, popping up on the phones, the, the popping visual onto the screen of the desk phones, etc. Yeah, I thought this was a really interesting one. Not you know not one we see that that often. I think. Thinking about um, skeptics, you know, and maybe 80 or 90% of the U.S. look at it and say, well, how much air conditioning do you really need in Wisconsin? And I, which begs the question, like, uh, how often does this, does the system run? I mean, how many months out of the year is this thing really running? Yeah, so they're, they're just right now getting the thing, the system online, and it'll run through the summer months. And then I believe it's uh, probably late October that they actually go through a shutdown on it and then they you know over the winter months they do cleaning and and maintenance upgrades and that kind of thing but yeah it uh during the summertime it it works overtime <laughs> right right yeah so probably probably a good six months out of the year and there's probably two months in that time when it's really needed because it would be just suffocatingly hot if it we're not operational right yeah okay so next, um, we're talking here uh, at, uh, about the conference call um, component of this. So I, I mentioned in the very brief overview that we did of Informacast, you know, something that a lot of systems can do is this idea that you notify everybody, but maybe there's a key group of people, your incident management team, your incident response team that you want to bring together in the event of an emergency or of an issue, and, and they're going to be dealing with that. They're going to be managing the incident. Um, and that can be done in Microsoft Teams, Cisco WebEx Teams, Zoom. Um, and, and you're doing kind of the old school here, which is, is very applicable. You're, it looks like you're, you're initiating a conference call. Um, so tell us a little bit about what this is when it's used that sort of thing. Right. 
so we when we went into the Informacast project, I guess I wasn't even aware that this feature was really there. And, and to us, this has been one of the most beloved features that we discovered. Um, it's just a quick, quick and easy because Informacast is both a on-prem hybrid to the cloud solution. Um, as an IT team, uh, we deal with you know phone system and email. Them are mass mass communication tools. But if your phone system is down or your email system is down, and we're the we're the group of people that have to uh, triage that and fix it and there's no way to communicate. And we have IT people through Appleton and throughout the rest of our North America group. It, we're spread all over the place supporting the business. And so this method was there and available. It's kind of a, a pre-set up canned scenario and it doesn't take you know, anything, to, anything to do other than people, people just dial this number, put in the pin number and the system automatically sends a, an SMS text in uh, a conference bridge and an email and everybody on the team that can, I think we have like 30 people on this team and they're instantly notified, doesn't matter where they are, they can join this call and, and then we can begin discussing the issue and how it's gonna get resolved and fixed and the number stays the same so we can you know, regroup in an hour from now and, and everybody calls back into the name number. So this has been a really, a really valuable tool. The first couple of times we tested it and did it, it was very, very well received from the team that this is something we've, we've been wanting for a long time. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you can certainly use more, um, more modern tools, if you will, like the one we're using right now. Pledge collaboration, but um, if, if you're just out and about and all you have is access to a phone, um, that you know that lowest common denominator can be pretty powerful. Just the idea that an audio call is it's certainly sufficient to do what you need, um, and you're going to probably get more people logging in. Um, it's something they can initiate and then jump in the car, for example. Um, whereas that might not be as easy. Um, with some of the other collaboration tools. So this, this, this is the tried and true way of, of bringing people together for a, a very long time. Um, I, I'm just curious, like how often do you find the team using this? Are you testing it um, when we, you're not having incidents? Or? Yeah, we do do a test and it's probably, you know, it's probably been twice a year that we've actually, actually had to, had to pull the group together. Um, I'm starting to see the team utilize this a little more, even for non-super critical type of outages. They're, you know, and, and I think it's probably more due to pandemic and people working from home. We're not as many people in the office from the IT team. Um, there's only a limited number of us in the office, so so they just kind of are finding that this is a quick, easy way to to get the remote people all on the same call and, and solve an issue. Um, this was set up prior to, I believe in Formicast, you got, you know, now there's the Teams integration and Zoom integrations, I think. 
So this was set up prior to them features being available. We'll probably we'll probably work to you know readjust this a little bit because our team our team is now very fluent with with Zoom and Team and Microsoft Teams meetings. So we'll probably adapt that right into this. Sure. Sure. Makes a lot of sense. So um, we'll get to uh, Q&A here in a moment. I just want to uh, encourage everyone to go ahead and, and enter your questions now into the Q&A panel um, so that we, uh, we have those loaded up um, questions for Mark or, or for myself. Um, before we, we get there, um, Mark, just a, a few more questions here. Just, just curious on, you know, we've seen a number of industrial IoT use cases. Um, when we looked at the command center scenarios, we talked about intruder alert um, and and uh, severe weather um, things like. Are you are you tying into automated weather alerting at all, or is that more of a of a manual? Yeah. Right. So we are doing the uh, tornado weather alerting. So anytime there's a tornado warning issued, um, we have Informacast looking at the. Uh, National Weather Service and their alerts. So our system picks up on that um, and we automatically send them alerts out. Uh, we, we have it set up with our distribution lists and who's gonna get the messages. They're based off of geographic locations. And, and so that, so when we get the weather alerts, we're alerting, you know, SMS, text and email and pop-ups on the phones and the overhead, overhead paging. Um, so we got, it kicks off all the methods automatically. It works really nice. Uh, you know, not all our plant workers are, are sitting with their cell phones nearby them. So um, day shift, we have a lot of people here, a lot of office people. But when we get to our second and third shift, there's not a lot of office personnel around. So the plant floor people, you know, we used to have a ton of weather radios and they didn't get good weather. They didn't get real good reception. So they would park the radios next to a window, which wasn't really near their work area. So they would miss these alerts. And that was always a concern. And now we're, now we're effectively covering and reaching everybody. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I, at risk of stating the obvious, um, having worked for a short time in a, in a factory environment, it, there's not a lot of visibility to the outside. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so tornadoes in particular can really sneak up on you. And they're very fast moving, of course. So, um, you know, they, I think the, the average is something like 13 minutes from the time that NOAA wish, issues a warning until the, you know, the average time of the strike. So not a lot of time, but enough that if you are alerted that you can, um, you can take the appropriate action to, to move to the interior and, and cover yourself and so forth. Um, but yeah, it's not like when you're working in an office environment, like I can look out a window here and you could see the sky getting dark and so forth. Um, that just isn't the case, especially if you're working second or third shift, it doesn't matter if you're near a window or not. So having that that abilities, um, I think we kind of take it for granted these days because um, we have much better tools to deal with automated weather alerting um, with what NOAA can provide us and we can automatically produce those alerts. Um, but that, that has been extremely valuable for a lot of people uh, for that reason. And not that you would take advantage of this, but um, 
it, it's a step further now on the West Coast. We have access to early uh, earthquake warning. So up to a minute of advanced um, advanced warning that an earthquake is coming, which, you know, um, even more catastrophic across a wider area, even less time. But again, you know, if you can get, uh, if you can get even 30 or 40 seconds, it's enough time to either leave the building um, or to, uh, to cover embrace and so forth. So those, those safety scenarios are advancing in time, uh, becoming more sophisticated. But tell us a little bit about what you plan on doing next. Are there other uh, safety scenarios that, that health and safety engineering has, has, or operations has brought to your attention that you're considering implementing? Or are you at pretty much steady state now? Um, we recently, um, we recently finished up integrating our uh, fire panels. So we kind of, you know, when we first went into this, we, we it was a manual process. Even though the fire alarms would go off, um, or somebody would do a pole station, and the buzzers would go off with that. Um, uh, them center them solutions are only immediate area type of solutions so we wanted to and then they were requiring somebody to dial a, a, a number with a pin code to uh, do the informacast side of it and so we took that that's still a manual method is still there um, because there are scenarios where we have fires and they don't actually um, trigger a, a smoke detector or something or a heat detector. Um, so what we've done is we were, we were able to pull into contact closures off of our fire panels. And now that we made that more of an automated um, process. So we recently finished up installing uh, that, that into each of our buildings and fire panels. And then with that, we put in some some, some bypass switches that uh, when they come in and do fire testing or inspections and that kind of thing, they're not accidentally tripping informacasts and sending out false alarms. So we just finished up that project. If you could walk me through what happens, let's say the fire alarm pull station is activated in a particular, and one of the pull stations is pulled, then an alert goes through the contact closure device which is, it's a gateway that has dry contact closure relays on the one side and an ethernet cable on the other, talks to Informacast. Informacast sends an alert to, to what group? Who's, is, it, is everyone being notified that the fire alarm is pulled or is that a safety team notification? How are you doing? No, so we, we know the building that the contact closure happened on. So within that building, we will do SMS text S, or emails I should back up. So everybody within the geographic location will get an SMS text as well as an email. So therefore they know, and we header the message with, you know, whatever buildings have in the event. And that way people within the building know what's going on. And then people within the, you know, the same city here know that, you know, plant XYZ is having an issue, you probably shouldn't go over there. Um, and then, then we take the next step and the devices that are in that building, so PA system and PCs and their phones all get pop-up messages. 
and the PA system overhead paging is going off. So the people within that building are alerted in them additional ways. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 what I had guessed, but thanks for describing that. It makes a lot of sense. The idea that the fire alarm itself is of course gonna notify in building, that's what it's built for, but the idea that you can extend that out to people that may be in route to the building or outside and let them know, you know don't, don't come in. So that's helpful. So with that, uh, I'm done with my questions. I think this has been very informative um, I would love to hear questions from uh, the audience at this time. Um, you have a, just a bevy of really interesting use cases, industrial IoT use cases, life safety use cases, and so forth. Um, and I'm sure our audience has some questions um, for you as well, Mark. Well, uh, no, excellent. Great job, Pat and Mark. Thanks for your insights and expertise. Before we do start that Q&A, just want to remind everyone of the evaluation survey we're asking you to complete. The survey will open in a different screen after this presentation. Your input's important because it'll help us improve future webcasts and we appreciate you taking the extra time to offer feedback. Uh, just once more a reminder, if you wish to ask a question of Pat or Mark, simply click the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen, type your question and click the send button. And with that, we will get to the Q&A. Um, first one guys, if an organization has the ability to do mass texting today, why would they need anything more? I can take a swing at that. I think I think we've we've just seen an illustration of uh, with all the use cases um, about how you know, mass texting is certainly a, a valuable tool. Um, when you look at at uh, you know some of the typical use cases, whether active intruder, et cetera, reaching people on mobile phones is table stakes, and you have to do it. However, you what we've seen is there are lots of scenarios where you're not going to reach people on their mobile phones. They may have their phone turned off in a bag or briefcase. They may be in a very uh, noisy area, in a low cell coverage area. You may have not, not have their phone number. Um, people to which you owe a duty of care, visitors, contractors, patients, um, that sort of thing. Um, so the idea that you layer on additional notification methods, such as overhead paging, broadcasting to phones, broadcasting to digital signage, you layer on those different uh, notification methods, you're gonna reach far closer to 100% of your desired population. Yeah, that that was our scenario. We, we like I said, we had the building blocks kind of here with call aware and before we we jumped into the full informer cats fusion. We had evaluated some, you know, text only solutions. And, and that's quickly what we found is we, you know, in the manufacturing environment, we don't have everybody on the floor with cell phones. Um, they're typically in their lunch pails or in their locker areas. Um, so they, they don't have them. They don't have reception in some areas. And then, you know, it's a noisy environment. So we needed the, we needed to really take the other measures to uh, incorporate the, the PA system. It, it already was tied to the phone system, but now we were able to add these, these uh, common methods. And it was really about creating commonality and consistency across all our buildings. Um, we had, when we first started this project, I learned that you know, within a building with a 10 mile radius, we had, you know, four different buildings doing different things for tornado alerts or fire alerts. And they're like, you know, we, we blow this air horn and we, we blink this yellow light. 
you know, and then when they, the worker goes to the next building and you know, they find out that they had a different solution. So, so workers were confused when they went to buildings. Uh, next question, how difficult is it to integrate industrial internet of things, devices or systems into a mass notification system? It, it was very easy for us, simple contact closures and, and that it was very simple. <laughs> yeah, I think um, contact closure is kind of the lowest common denominator. Um, when you think about it, it's essentially, you know, you're, your old school doorbell uh, is is a contact closure, right? It's just you uh, when you close the circuit, um, it takes an action, um, and and so that will work. You know, it's it's a simple mechanical way uh, of doing things. Um, we do see people using those, but we see people using lots of other um, integration methods as well. Primary ones being the API. Um, more and more software systems are talking to each other, of course, you know, using REST API calls, that's, that's very common. Um, RSS is another, um, so that's a, you know, subscription service. Um, and, and another one that we see is CAP. Um, so when you look at most digital signage systems, the way that they are consuming um, content and interrupting their, whatever's showing on the digital media player, showing on the monitor is interrupted with, uh, a more important, a critical message, that's usually using CAP, uh, you know, the common alerting protocol. Um, so most people think of CAP as being something we consume, like these, these weather alerts we are describing, the way that we consume CAP from, uh, from the National Weather Service for alerts, that's inbound CAP. Informacast can also be a CAP source, so we're sending CAP out to digital signage. Um, so that's, that's another method. So there are a variety of methods, both for inbound triggers as well as to send outbound to other systems. And I think that's what we're seeing more and more of is people wanting to not do software development if they can help it, but just do configuration, of course, to, to connect existing systems. So to connect an existing overhead paging system, to, to connect an existing fire alarm system uh, and so on. In the case of some of these industrial IoT systems, we saw that air torque tool, um, that's a contact closure. Fire alarm system, as Mark described, that's a contact closure. So lowest common denominator, that one is it's very simple. Um, another, another one that's often overlooked that's, that's relatively simple is email. You know, filtering on subject sender um, for a particular keyword or coming from a particular source and then triggering an alert based on that. Um, a little bit less common, but it is, as far as the software type integrations, it's the lowest common denominator. What are some common mistakes organizations make when implementing a mass notification system? Mark, you want to take first swing at that? Um, I think the the hardest thing we had was was developing a scope. You know, people had a lot of ideas, and and it was it was tough to. Um, we had different safety, different plant managers, um, different methods that were entrenched in different areas. So trying to trying to get everybody on the same page and come to a common um, idea. That way, that way we could keep it very consistent and and utilize templates, common templates through the system. That 
that was kind of our our most our biggest hurdle that we had to had to go through that makes it one corollary that we see to that is when people are considering either adopting or changing their mass notification system uh, we see organizations particularly medium to large organizations that are somewhat siloed so the requirements of a particular department or area are well understood but they haven't really solicited um, all of the potential stakeholders and so they they end up with a, a system that um, can't be extended um, to meet the use cases of the entire organization um, or they end up with with separate systems because they're doing it on a piecemeal basis so um, doing a which, which is similar to what mark said you know, considering the entire scope of the organization before moving forward Again, if you're wanting to, to ask a question, now is the time. Just click that Q&A button at the, the bottom of the screen, um, type your question, and click the send button. Um, I know, guys, you obviously prepare these presentations, but maybe during the course of giving them, something comes up uh, in mind, anything kind of fall in that category or, or anything that maybe you were came to, came to mind as you were presenting today that you hadn't shared with the audience? Yeah, you know, like, like Pat just mentioned, having the the silos, um, I, I we ran into it in our company where you know, one of our divisions had a had an auxiliary tool that was a, a a mass text tool, and they would use it to alert alert people of snow, you know, snow closures of the building, that kind of thing, and even after we had Informacast fully implemented and, and rolled out to everybody. I found out that they were still continuing to pay this this outside service, and it was a manual process that they had to, you know, provide usernames and phone lists and everything. And I found out they were still doing that, and I'm like, why are you still doing that? And and it was purely because they didn't they didn't uh, realize that that we had the custom capabilities, so we had to back up and and show them how to do custom messages. So, so we can send out messages that, you know, don't come to work today, there was a, a snow closure or a shift closure, closure because there was a water main break at this building. So COVID, the COVID pandemic really shared a lot of that too. And, and we we're quickly, quickly able to onboard every plant employee, every, everybody that had a, an office provided or a company provided cell phone. Um, they were they were already in the system, but we were in the process of trying to get uh, plant plant people in that had personal cell phones or personal emails. So we were quickly able to do that by syncing that information from our HR system, and and then they could quickly send out messages about you know don't come don't come to this shift, you know, third shift's gonna be closed because there was uh, an exposure or whatever was going on. And so it was a quick method that they could, you know, alert people and and instead of prior to this, they were they were doing call trees and texting based on who knows who and and then they didn't really know that they got a hold of everybody. Whereas with Informacast you do have some some confirmation that you can go back and look at the logs to see who got the messages. I know Mark mentioned COVID and it's, it's hard for that not to really 
it's understandable that it dominates so much of the discourse, but just as we're talking about summer specific, just how, how have things evolved with Informacast and single wire, wire just from this past, from last summer to summer 2021? Yeah, the COVID communicating to people, you know, our, our plant workers are here working, but office people are, are at home. And so there's, you know, that, that communication across the, the entire company. Um, Informacast was a, our HR department at first didn't really understand the gravity of how fast they could communicate with everybody. But when, when the pandemic first hit, they were able to quickly, quickly do it. And ever since then, it's been, it's been the tool of choice. I'll just say that across our customer base, we've seen people using, uh, using mass notification for COVID related um, communication. Um, we have pulled periodically pulled information, message content out of our database to, to get an idea of what people are sending. And there are, um, you know, masking policies change based on county and state requirements, and those are communicated out. We see people asking, uh, reminding people to check for uh, simple health symptoms. Um, we see people asking for uh, very regular, even daily um, confirmations of their health and, and asking for message confirmations back um, with a list of symptoms. Yes, I have this. No, I do not. That sort of thing. Um, and, and, and those, those are very common now. Um, I, we saw more of a spike of that as some of the surge happened over the winter um, and it's backed off a little bit, but we captured a lot of that information and we put it into um, what we call the pandemic playbook for mass notification that's available for download on our website, which is some of the best practices that we saw um, different organizations using. I know we still have a, a few minutes uh, to everyone out there. So again, if you would like to ask a question, we, we welcome that. Um, I know you mentioned you know, before just the, the idea of leveraging multiple communication channels for emergency messages. And could you maybe go a little deeper into that and to, to what makes that so important. Sure. Um, so that's a big part of our philosophy. And a lot of it is based on research that's been done um, academically and published in the Journal of Homeland Security. And you know, some of it comes right back to this idea that if I have text messaging, I, I have enough, um, that, that it's sufficient. And the research that, that we've read up on shows that on average, you're gonna get about 80% of your desired population if you're only doing text messaging. And, and yet when people say mass notification, that is, that's ubiquitous. People think of that as being SMS text messaging and, and not much more. And when you think about the other ways that people are using to reach mobile phones, email is not timely because it's, it's, you know, people are pulling that, they're not, it's not intrusive. Um, a push notifications to an app works very well. Um, but a lot of people don't want to install another app and it's difficult for organizations to require that of their people um, un unless they own the phones, um, which isn't very common. Uh, and then phone calls don't work. I mean, phone calls, phone calls can be done, but people don't answer the phone anymore, um, which is why they don't work because of all the, the robocalling spam and so forth. So when you look at the, you know, really the four main ways of reaching a mobile phone, 
text messaging is the one, and yet text messaging is shown to be 20% effective, if you will, in the sense that uh, lots of people that you owe a duty of care to, visitors, contractors, guests, patients, parents, et cetera, you don't have their phone numbers if they're, if they're on your premises for a limited duration, yet you still owe them a duty of care. Um, and then there's all the reasons we have lots of customers that have labs um, or interior parts of the building. Um, in educational settings, of course, there are, you know, students are told to put away their cell phones and on and on. So on average, you're going to reach somewhere in the low 80s, um, you know, percentage of your people. And that's if you, that's if they've all opted in to begin with, so that, which is a whole nother issue, you know, in terms of how you get them subscribed. So it is a necessary method of reaching people, but by itself, it's insufficient, which is why a layered approach to having both on-premises and mobile notification is so important. We heard Mark talk about digital, uh, digital speakers with scrolling text, with flashing LED strobes, with broadcasting audio. Audio is much more intrusive than text. Um, right now, my, phone, my mobile phone is on silent, and I know that there are text messages sitting there. I'm not seeing them. Um, and that may be the case if I'm in a meeting or a webinar. Um, yet, if there was if there was a fire alarm today, I would hear that it would be blasting. Right? We we don't turn that off. Life safety has figured this out a long time ago, and it's in our codes, in the fire safety codes. Yet, we don't assign the same level of urgency to things like an active shooter or severe weather. Um, and in some jurisdictions, there is NFPA has been evolving in that direction. But for the most part, um, more pe many more people will be notified if there's a fire in the building than they will if there's an active shooter. Um, and we don't we don't believe that that's right. We think that that people should be notified of any serious issue and that the organization should have the ability to get that message out. And, and a multi-layered approach is what's going to do that. Yeah. And to to Pat's point, the notifications, I mean, one of the unique things too that we're able to do with InformerCast and it's tied in with the with our Cisco phone system, we have a lot of customer service reps and, and that kind of thing that are on the phone with customers and, and they have areas of the building where they call them quiet areas and they don't want the normal PA messages coming over the, the system because they're on the phone with customers. And we've had instances and in, in our, our facilities, people have gone through this, but um, because the PAs were noisy overhead, uh, people have taken upon themselves to disable or muffle the speakers or whatever. Well, we're actually able to, you know, with InformerCast, put messages up on their screen as a pop-up. It'll be a screen pop-up on their desk phone. And in the case of customer service, it is actually, uh, in their earpiece, they will hear that something's going on and it's not coming through and blasting through to the customer where the customer would actually hear it. So, so that's been pretty neat. Multiple ways to get a hold of people and get that message out. Well, thank you both. Uh, unfortunately, we, we have run out of time for today. Um, know that Pat has that displayed there, some, some contact information. So if a, a question should spring to mind, there's a, a way to, to reach him. Um, once again, we hope that you take the time to fill out the evaluation survey and provide your feedback. Again, that should be coming in a separate screen soon. With that, we end today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast. I'd like to thank Pat Sheckle, Mark Tilkins, everyone at Single Wire Software, and all of you who listened in.
Thanks and have a safe day. Thank you.